Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. I'm your host, Alad Gross. I'm a civil rights attorney and educator right here in Missouri. I love our state and our country, so let's talk about ways to make them even better. On this episode, we have Michelle Hornish and Jonathan Zucker of It Starts Today, an organization that is encouraging tons of Missourians to give small amounts so that candidates for state representative and state senate have the resources they need all over the state, no matter where they're running. Glad to have you on the Alad Pod. This is both of your first times on the show. It is, and we're thrilled yeah. to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited to have you both on, um, and we're going to talk uh, quite a bit about, um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff, I think, in Missouri, because really the political system and everything that goes around it, what goes into communicating and fundraising about it, it touches on so many different topics. But, uh, you know, you all have been doing such wonderful work, especially in some of the races that unfortunately don't get a whole lot of attention in Missouri. And so uh, before we start, I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done. And I know you've got a lot of big fans out there for the work that you've done. Uh, so if you could, could you tell us all, um, uh, I guess you two will get to pick who gets to introduce the whole thing, but tell us the kind of the work that you're doing and, and really where it came from, because that's a, that's a great origin story, and uh, uh, what you all are, are, are doing right now in the state of Missouri and, and elsewhere, too. Well, I think Jonathan is the one, as the person who actually came up with this idea, who developed it and created it, uh, I think that he's the right one to tell this part of the story. So, Jonathan, I'm going uh, to you You've been drafted. First. You're up. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, basically, the origin of It Starts Today is election night 2016 as the origin story for a lot of political um, activism and, and organizations is... And I was sitting there, it was about one in the morning on election night uh, here on the East Coast, I live in DC. And I was watching my Facebook feed blow up with the Clinton people blaming the, the, the Sanders people and the Sanders people blaming the Clinton people. And with my background, and I'll just give you a, you know, a quick, quick intro on, on where I come from. I'm a campaign finance attorney. Um, I have a lot of experience as well as a field organizer in progressive organizations. In 2003 to 2005, I was at the DNC in their high dollar uh, fundraising program. And in 2005, I was the third guy involved with ActBlue. I was the first COO and the second CEO or executive director um, of ActBlue. Um, and so I know a little bit about internet and fundraising and campaign finance. And at about one o'clock in the morning, watching this going on, I sort of had the realization that Donald Trump had won the White House and we hadn't taken the Senate and we didn't have the House at that point. And this was really pretty bad. And I started thinking about what we could start doing right now. Um, hence, it starts today as mm, the organization. Uh -huh. What we could start doing right now to 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 you know kneecap Trump as fast as possible, and it all started as a recurring donation program that funded every congressional Democrat running in 2018, um, and that was the beginning of this. 
um, in the fall of 2017, um, Michelle got involved and um, we, we expanded to Missouri um, and we've been doing Missouri state legislative work um, for 2020. We did a presidential project, but I, that's the origin story. It really started at about 1 a.m. on election night 2016. And Michelle, you want to talk about what we've been doing recently? Well, I mean, we've been doing quite a bit. <laughs> uh, and, and since 2017, you have know, been involved you know, with our national projects, but also here in Missouri, which, as you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be done. And you touched on that a little bit you know, in the introduction that there are so many races here in Missouri that need funding, that need attention, um, because we'd be able to get so many wonderful people to run for office if we were able to show them the amount of support that really does exist out there. Um, so for the past few months, we've been spending a lot of time looking at Missouri, um, looking at all the other states around the country, um, you know, where, where there's a similar need, where there are other people who are running for office who are, uh, you know, having to do that on a shoestring budget. And by shoestring, I mean, in 2020, there were 25 House Democrats in Missouri who raised less than $5,000. And that's very difficult to run a race on, on less than $5,000. I believe there were eight that had less than $1,000 um, to run their race. So that that really makes it very, very difficult for someone to have a robust get out the vote effort, um, for them to have a campaign staff. It might be enough for them to you know, get, get the word out on Facebook or on social media, but it makes it difficult for them to do a lot of the other things that all of the trainings and, and you know, all of the advice from people tell you that you need to do. So we at It Starts Today are in a position to empower grassroots people who care about what's going on in Missouri, which is a bit crazy. Mm -hmm. we, we empower people uh, to donate $5, $10, $20 a month um, so that that money can then be split amongst the nominees for Missouri State Legislature to give them that boost, to give them that funding that they need, um, you know, to, to get out the vote, to, uh, you know, pay the volunteers um, or to, to get the cold pizza and the warm beer, you know, for volunteers that are going and getting out the vote for those sorts of things. Um, right. So that's really our focus here in Missouri is trying to build up our our subscriber, our subscriber base, and the number of people who know about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, because I know very well from, from seeing the reaction to all sorts of, of the you know, political goings on here in Missouri, people care a lot. And people want to elect more Democrats. We just need to work together to make sure that we're giving the Democrats that are running in these places the resources that they need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, I've got it on the screen, uh, and it's going to be on many screens. You might have noticed already. It says it starts dot today. That's the actual website you can go to, right? You don't need a dot com or anything else. It's not that I misspelled it. <laughs> no, right? No, no you got no, it. No, right. of course not. That's my right. show. Why would I just? Uh, uh, yeah, no. So p folks can go there right now, and they can see it's actually uh, great. You got a lot of information there about um, you know how the the system works. So you know you've got a lot of folks in. Missouri, who are running for uh, state representative, for example, state senate, and these are super sure. important positions. Uh, for those of you who um, are following uh, Take Back Missouri right now, there's a link there for you too. But you can see every day on social media, we're putting out all of the things that our legislators are working on, all the bills that they're proposing, and it touches on all these kinds of you know different aspects of life, from uh, utilities to 
farming to schools and education. I mean, just everything, right? And so mm-hmm. these are offices that, unfortunately, a lot of folks don't know who their state representative is or don't know who their state senator is. And so you're talking about, I think a lot of folks, when they hear campaigning and they hear you say $5,000, they're like, what, to like, that they gave themselves or something? So, so it's like, that, that can't be it. Uh, but, but for these races, I mean, the budgets are a little bit, uh, you know, smaller. In some cases, they're very high. But I guess in, in general, like when you're looking in, uh, in Missouri, what is that kind of range? What are folks looking at in terms of what they're having to fundraise? Um, and then what, what are you doing in terms of it starts today that's trying to change that and why? Like what, what, what's the purpose of doing it that way? So, I mean, Jonathan, did you want to talk about the, the goals or the... Why don't, I, why don't I touch on why after you talk about what? <laughs> okay, we can certainly. So when we first started out, yeah, we were trying to determine what the goal should be for a state, like a state house district, right? A state representative district. Because it's difficult to, to sort of normalize that across the state. You can imagine that, you know, Jessica Piper, who's running in the first, right? The cost of her race could be very different than Sarah Unsicker, for example, or Peter Meredith here in the city. So the costs are going to be a little bit different. Um, Since then, we have found that uh, about the first 77 cents per district voter that is spent will increase turnout by uh, 1%. 77 cents per district voter is just about, uh, I think it's 18 to $20,000. Okay. And that's just about what the goal was that we had decided that we wanted uh, for our state house nominees to get back when we started this in 2017. So uh, about $20,000 is, uh, which was 50 cents per registered voter or 77 cents per eligible voter. Interesting. Okay. I got some questions. And, but yeah, Jonathan, explain, explain why. Well, like what, what in the world, right? So... <laughs> There's actually several reasons for what we do. The the most basic one is that we believe that every Democratic voter deserves a professional Democratic candidate for every office. Like we actually think that that is simply good for good for democracy. It's good for voters. It's important for Democratic voters to see local and state legislative is sort of I mean, they are they're far more local than statewide. Um, local candidates who who reflect their values on their ballot, asking for their vote, encouraging them to turn out, because our our electoral system is you know fundamentally it's opt in. You have to choose mm-hmm. to vote, and what we as political activists and what the de- you know Democrat the political left, the Democratic Party, um, being you know one of the one of the biggest biggest elements of the left, needs to do is it needs as many bites at that apple. It needs to give each registered voter or potential you know, eligible voter, whether they're registered yet or not, as many different reasons to register and vote as possible, which means we want not only a presidential candidate on the ballot, not only gubernatorial and Senate candidates, secretaries of state, attorneys general, all of those at the state le- statewide level, but we also want congressional candidates and we want state Senate candidates, state House candidates, and then you know the, the the numerous county municipal races that that also are there, and what we discovered as we dug into this, and this is you know this goes a little bit to the origin story, I had just an idea. It was a hey, here's something we should all agree as people on the political left is valuable. Let's fund all the Democrats running for office, mm-hmm. um, and we can do it in re- you know 
And the power of recurring donations means if we start now, 10 bucks a month, and enough of us get involved, we can move really serious money. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the idea. But then we started getting asked, well, why are you doing this? Why is this important? And we started looking at the reality. And what we discovered was just shocking and or depressing, which is that the Democratic Party, and it's not that there's some, you know, mystical, you know, cabal of five people who made this decision. It's, it's individually thousands or tens of thousands of people collectively reaching the same conclusion. But the Democratic Party has given up on about 45% of the country. We're not running candidates where we are running candidates. They're woefully underfunded, you know, 1000 to $5,000 for a state ledge campaign. You can't professionalize at that level. You might be able to do a little bit of outreach. You might be able to buy a little bit of beer. You might be able to, or, you know, beer and, and pizza. You might be able to, you know, buy a photocopier or, or, or a laser printer, pay for gas for you to drive around your very large rural district, but you're not running a real professional campaign. So that's the first thing. And the second is a practical, mechanical, political, political calculus, which is that as Democrats, we've gotten very good at top down, turn out the vote operations. We will run, we'll put ballot initiatives on the ballot that encourage progressives to turn out and vote. We will run and fund statewide candidates. But what we've forgotten is that top down, you know, works hand in hand with bottom up. And that there are voters who are not going to be motivated by statewide candidates. There are going to be voters who are not going to be excited by whoever the Democratic Party nominates for president in a given cycle. But they really they could get excited about, you know, the owner of the local hardware store who's a Democrat who wants their vote for state legislature. And the neat thing that we've discovered as we've dug into this problem over the last you know four years is that the numbers back us up. There is a reverse coattails effect. Like we understand the president has coattails, how many members of Congress and, and Senate, you know, state senators and governors did the president help get elect? We talk about that all the time, but the reverse is also true. How many gubernatorial candidates got elected because a hundred state legislative candidates each turned out an extra three, four, 500 votes and got them over the top. Right. And, you know, Academics and, and now some political organizations have started looking at that problem. And the, and the reality is the difference between not having a Democrat on the ballot at all and having a funded challenger, even in the deepest red district where that funded challenger is really unlikely to win, that can be in that district. The difference can be two and a half percentage points on turnout for the top of the ticket that the candidate for governor or senator or president did no work to get and, and, and just benefits from. And that's the second thing is a state like Missouri, if we're gonna turn it back to blue and you know, I grew up in Missouri and when I was a kid, it was a blue state. Danforth was the exception as a Republican senator, like he was the exception to the rule. Um, and if we're gonna turn it blue again, we're gonna turn it blue by first winning statewide and then by breaking the legislate, you know, the, the, the state legislative, you know, supermajority and the majority and start winning, you know, in, in the county races throughout the state. Yeah. But we can accelerate that statewide flip by funding our state legislative candidates. And the last thing, because I've been talking too long, is there's <laughs> also there's also a profound value 
to election after election after election, having a candidate on the ballot, having someone who is recruiting volunteers, training precinct captains, working on, on, on getting out the vote, working on registering new voters, all of that kind of electoral infrastructure, you build it. And if you maintain it, it, you can grow and grow and grow. And you just build one level and then you build the next level and the next level. But if you leave it alone for two, three, four years, it's like a sandcastle. It just washes away. Mm -hmm. And there are parts of Missouri that have barely had a state legislative candidate in the last decade, decade and a half. And those places, we just need to invest in them. We might not win those elections anytime soon, but if we're going to win them in 10 or 15 years, we better start investing in them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big, so I'm a very big fan, in case folks can't tell because of how big I put your website on the screen. Uh, <laughs> I'm a very big fan of It Starts Today, and something that I did when I was running was travel all over the state, a mm-hmm. lot, a whole lot. I'm still, I still need to catch up on sleep from that, but all, all over the place. And uh, uh, <laughs> someone who I would see a lot was Michelle. And other folks from It Starts Today who were just running around and, you know, they were tabling and telling folks about it. And, uh, you you know, that process is so important because you are going to places that folks have not been going for a very long time. There isn't much of a presence there. So there's a lot of practical problems with that that affects everybody up and down the ticket from folks who are running for county council, uh, even school board, to, to folks who are running for president of the United States. It's that the information that we have about voters in the area is very bad. And so you're sending, you know, you think you're you're calling uh, Ms. Jones at uh, this address, and instead you're uh, calling Mr. Smith, and Mr. Smith is not very happy to talk to you right now, and you thought you were going to get a great volunteer based on the information that you had. And so, you know, having just like that information update is just such a big deal it's really interesting michelle when you were talking about uh, it's like because you're like calc you know based on outreach the 77 cents per 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 was was it registered voter is that what it is well there's i mean there's two different metrics there's a bunch okay. of different metrics and i'm getting too wonky probably for our purposes no, i love here, it this right? is great this is wonderful you know this is this is how we roll we talk about numbers and data and uh-huh. And statistics and, you know, the amount of this and whatever. But what it comes down to is about 50 cents per registered voter in that district. I mean, that's about, it's about $20,000, essentially, for a state representative district. I mean, that was our goal when we started out, um, just because we wanted to, you know, look at it as what would you need to have if you were just in a typical district? What would you need the bare minimum to run a professional campaign so that you would be able to maybe hire a you know a part-time staffer or you know get a um, a mail piece out or two mail pieces out. I mean, mail is really expensive. I yeah. think that people who haven't worked on a campaign or don't have friends who have who have run or haven't run themselves don't recognize these are significant expenditures. Um, when people are sending out those those campaign mailers, I mean, you know this from from your own race. It is not cheap. So um, you know every little bit really does really does count. So. And, yeah. and I think that, you know, to your point of traveling all over the state, I mean, it's been really important to us as, as it starts today for people to feel seen and heard. I think that for far too long, there are entire areas across the state where people haven't felt, haven't felt seen. They haven't felt as though, you know, what they believe in and what they stand for has really been reflected uh, or listened to. And that's something that we wanted to make sure that people saw that, you know, we're, we want... 
uh, it starts today to be reflective of, of the entire community that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, we have thousands of people who are all joining together to support Democrats from across the state. And that's a pretty beautiful thing. Uh, we didn't want this just to be an urban thing. We wanted this to be a Missouri thing. And so I'm proud that that's what we've been able to accomplish. I, I should share with you after we get off, I'll, I'll share with you the map that I created of uh, that has dots that represent all the people who are um, who are members of our community of, of donors. And it's 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 inspiring to me. I look at it uh, every now and again, just for a little bit of an extra inspiration. I think that's uh-huh. an important thing for all of us to remember. Yeah, I remember I remember those days. We used to have a competition. It's like, hey, nobody in this county's given to us yet, and then people would just be, like, oh, I got a friend. I can go. I'll hit him up. Uh, yeah, that's that's that is great. I mean, what's really cool is because I mean, you are building a community around this, right? Yeah. And and I think you know, especially for folks who are um, you know into and know about it starts today. They talk about it a lot, like all the time. And so, from a practical standpoint, uh, just to be clear for folks who who might be a little bit less familiar. When you donate to It Starts Today, you are taking that donation and then you are divvying it up amongst all of these folks who are running all over the state. Is that, is that how that works in general? Well, so, so what we're doing is we take the donations that come in, we hold them until after the primary because this relates specifically to nominees, mm-hmm. right? So I want, I want people to, to be aware that these, are, that these are funds for nominees, not for candidates. That's why we're so specific about the language that we use. Um, so we hold them until after the primary and then we distribute them. Uh, so those funds will actually go to the nominees after, you know, whatever primary they've had, which oftentimes, especially in a place like Missouri, where we really have a late primary, we have a a primary that happens in August. Uh, so that doesn't give candidates, doesn't give nominees that much time to raise the funding that they need for the general. So that's one one really big benefit of the amount of funding that we're able to give nominees after that primary. But yes, mm-hmm. then it goes to both House and Senate nominees. Uh, the Senate nominees get five times the amount that the House nominees get. And that's not because we like them five times as much. It is because they have a district that is five times the size. And so that is only fair. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I, so, so here, like for a lot of, and I've met with a lot of candidates who are in that boat where, you know, they had a thousand dollars and, you know, it's t- like, like to Jonathan, to what you were saying, you know, that's just such a great visual. It's like a sandcastle that keeps getting washed away. And you have so many folks, right. Who they'll run and maybe they were just like a name on a ballot or something. And then they're gone, mm-hmm. right. That, that name isn't coming back. They were just doing somebody a favor and they, they went and they, they put it out there. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of, I mean, really it, it, it needs to get to one. I think it needs to get to the point where we're looking at it long-term and we're saying, okay, I'm doing this now, realizing I might be doing this next time and the time after that too. But two is, is, you know, I really feel strongly that the way, cause in Missouri, um, there's not much balance. And I think that that, whatever party you're in, I think that that's, and Michelle, you and I have talked about this a lot, uh, when there's not balance in our government between the two parties and one party thinks it can do whatever it wants we have problems and that's exactly why jack danforth at the time who was a republican was elected in a heavily democratic state uh because he was pointing out hey there are problems here and people knew that there were because there was a lot of corruption and all these other things that were happening uh and he pointed that out um it's just you know i i feel like from from 
in Missouri with with how nationalized issues have been, uh, it, it seems like the the solutions are going to come from those local folks who are running the the person that you know who's run the hardware store or the bar or who's a teacher in your community uh, because those are the ones who will be able to connect with you first. Uh, are are you are you I guess I guess from you know, in, in terms of the, the folks that you are working with since you've started and you've seen all of these kinds of things, have you seen, like, any any of that kind of work happening around the state? And if if yes, if no, like, what, what have you seen that has been successful? Um, and what do you think that we are still missing in Missouri to help us, uh, you know, get started, like, get get towards this goal where where we have folks who, you know, really feel supported. They feel like they're able to go out there and get their message across. Um, and even if that day didn't work out for them, uh, they want to come back and do it again. Have you, have you seen, like, some of these things that we can take lessons from in this work? So, I, I mean, was that to me or Jonathan? Yeah, Does well, it... You know what? You're both okay. on the show. I haven't muted yeah. any of you yet. <laughs> haven't had to. I can. So, but, no, yeah, I mean... I mean both of you. Why don't you start? I have a few yeah. thoughts, but please go ahead. <laughs> so I think that, you know, here in Missouri, we have a lot of organizations that are doing great work with uh, training, with recruiting, with supporting candidates in that regard, right? So um, we've got, you know, the uh, what used to be the House Victory Committee. They're doing great work. Um, I know that the Democratic Party has been providing some training, uh, and I know that they're going to be, you know, providing additional, uh, you know, additional support to candidates for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, that in order for people who are going to be running in these red districts to really feel supported uh, by the broader community, which I think that they need, I think they need that from all of us Democrats to be joining together and supporting them. I I think it's a lot easier for them to feel supported if they have the funding that backs them up um, so that they aren't having to learn how to be a good candidate, do all of the things that they need to do to get out the vote and spend so much of their time trying to raise the funds that they need to do the other two things, right? It's a lot easier to recruit a candidate, for example, even in an incredibly red district, if you go to them and say, if you sign on the dotted line and if you agree to to run in this district, which we recognize is going to be very difficult, Mm -hmm. we'll give you $15,000. It starts today. This community of people is going to make sure that you have at least ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to be able to run this race, and then we can treat the people who are running in these districts like really what they are, which is supercharged organizers. These are people who know their neighbors, who know their community. They're people up in Livingston County know Livingston County, and that is how they were able, you know, to to beat back KFOs. Right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't people from another part of the state coming in and telling someone else what to do. It was people within that community feeling empowered to do what they knew needed to be done. And we get that to happen easier, I think, if we show folks, listen, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to tell you how to do it. We're going to give you the resources that you need to do what you need to do what you know needs to be done. I've talked too much, Jonathan. I should I should let you speak for a while. Well, no, you you hit on a couple of the things. Yeah, yeah. You hit on a couple of the specific things I, I was going to mention. Um, you know, we talk about this a lot, and, and we've done this a lot, so it's not surprising we're taking words out of each other's mouth. But um, I, I'm going to take sort of a bit of a step back from the, the sort of the specifics that Michelle was talking about, and just acknowledge the fact that one of the aspects of 
you know, there's the, there's the old, I guess there's the old adage, you know, I don't belong to the political party. I'm a Democrat, um, <laughs> which which actually has some truth to it. I mean, there, there are truths in, in, in those in those kinds of quips, which is that the Democratic Party doesn't have anyone. And for reasons of campaign finance structure and legal structures, almost can't have anyone whose real job is to think about 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Hmm. You know, we, we, we would love that to be the job of the state party and, and the state party chair, but the way that, that, that state parties, and this is not unique to Missouri, I'm not trying to pick on Missouri, this is pretty much the case with every single state party, but the way they're structured um, really doesn't encourage that kind of long-term thinking. Um, it's, it's a highly political position. They tend to turn over every two or four years. And that makes it very difficult for any one person to think about the long term. Yeah. You know, it was as, you know, it, it's as true as a current state party chair as it was for Howard Dean when he when he when he came into the DNC with a 50 state strategy and discovered that he had no money. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really hard to implement that as opposed to actually, in contrast, Jamie Harrison, the current DNC chair, um, actually started the year with with almost forty five million dollars in the bank. And is already investing 20 million of that right now um, in in organizing in in you know not every state but they're giving money to every state but really heavily organizing in the states that are going to be key for the 2022 congressional elections and the 2024 presidency and that's and that's you know how you'd like to be able to do it but when you know when i worked at the dnc the dnc started that cycle 60 million dollars in debt not 40 million dollars in the black and that's one of the things that we see with the, with with the Democratic Party in particular. The Republicans are a little bit better about this, but you know they're not, you know, they're they're not absolutely better at it. And that's just a lack of long term strategic thinking. And the only way I know to solve that problem is to throw money at it, but in a really constructive, in a really constructive cycle after cycle secure funding kind of way not just here's 50 million dollars go solve the problem but if we if we can if we can build a funding base democrats are actually quite good and incredibly co competitive with republicans even in a in a state as currently red as missouri is um we're really good at funding our incumbents we're really good at funding the swing districts that we think we have a chance to win we're pretty darn good at funding our statewide candidates and our statewide initiatives. But what we leave out is that first tier of funding, that first, that first, whatever metric you use, but that first 15 to $20,000 in a state house district, more like $100,000 in a state Senate district, um, or 80 to $100,000 in a state Senate district, that just lets you run that professional campaign and is all still still on the upward curve before you get to the point of diminishing returns in yeah. terms of vote, voter turnout. We don't fund everything to the point of diminishing returns. And the reality of campaign finance law is the party can't. Even if the party had all the money it wanted to do, it couldn't just hand twenty thousand dollars to every state house race um, and and you know eighty thousand dollars to each, each, each senate race. They can't right. do it. Campaign finance law won't let them. And that's been one of the problems 
or one of, you know, one of the sort of structural problems that the It Starts Today model solves, which is, you know, and this is what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about for the last 15 years, is how do you apply technology and campaign finance law? You know, how do you find the intersection of those two things to solve problems that can't be solved just by going to a billionaire? Um, because, you know, even if we had the billionaires who would want to do it, you can't do it. Um, and that's the beauty of the, you know, thousands of people coming together, giving five, 10, $25 a month that gets spread out among, I, we don't need to get into the too much in the weeds, spread out among a couple of different packs that then make donations to the candidates. And that allows you to fund the candidates without break, you know, without breaking any campaign finance laws, but it also brings to bear the power of recurring donations. Someone who can afford five bucks a month over a 24 month period has just given away $120 to two candidates. Right. And they might not ever have $100 sitting around that they could just give to a candidate. Right. And that's where the power of recurring donations comes in. And that's, that's one of the things that we've really figured out with what we're doing is how can you give people the ability to make recurring donations for a full cycle and still have the money go to, to go to candidates, most of whom didn't even know they were running for eight or 10 months of that 24 month period. Mm -hmm. um, and then spent the next few months trying to figure out what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I, I wanted to just talk about is to reinforce that point that Michelle made about what it would mean to free candidates, particularly in the less competitive races from having to fundraise. I mean, you know what it's like to be a candidate. You were running statewide, which by by default is much more competitive than than a lot of these state legislative districts are. And you spent how many hours a week? I, I mean, you might actually know how many hours a week did you spend fundraising? And every hour you and without actually having to answer that question, every hour you spent fundraising was an hour you were not spending talking to voters. And when you're talking about someone who's who's running in a Missouri House district with 30,000 voters, you know, if we could save them a few hundred hours over the course of the cycle from, you know, you don't have to fundraise this money. You can it's just going to be given to you. And instead, you can spend those 200 hours, um, you know, knocking on an extra 3000 doors, 4000 doors. Um, that makes a big, big difference um, in terms of voter turnout. Mm -hmm. And that's, on the one hand, we as Democrats like to talk about public financing for elections. And that is absolutely, I agree 100% with the policy positions behind it. And that is one of the reasons why I like it so much. But in the absence of, of an ability to convince a state or, or federal legislature to adopt it and spend taxpayer dollars on it, what we've basically built here is for Democrats only, because, well, those are the candidates we care about. We're on the political left. For Democrats only, it's privately, you know, it's privately funded public financing. Mm -hmm. And it's really powerful. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it does, even in addition to that, I think it does something else that's really important. And this is especially true for folks who are in, um, you know, districts where the odds are against them and where maybe they're a first-time candidate, it's that, uh, one, if you're first-time, you might not have a ton of experience fundraising like you have to do as a candidate. And uh, so not really know. It's like, oh, goodness, like, what am I going to do? Hopefully I'll just get on Twitter and I'll go viral. 
Everybody wants to go viral. And then that will take care of all my problems. That's how everybody else does it, right? Uh, and, and maybe not knowing one, like, oh, you know, here's one, how to make an ask. And others, like, well, I mean, just ask people for money. But two, it's like, who do I call? And, and how often do I call? And what happens when they hang up? And do, am I supposed to call again? And so oh, this person thinks this. And then, nobody has, some people have that knowledge, but that's not really spread out to all of these folks who are running for the first time. So that's like a big relief just from the beginning is saying, oh, there's support already out there for you to hit the ground running and then hopefully hire a campaign manager or get somebody to like, you know, coach you up a little bit. But then those resources are there for you to go about it. But two, I think, and this is maybe more for, well, I think this is both categories. This is for those who are new, but also those who have done it before, is that seeing this support in an area that doesn't get much support all of a sudden gives you a whole lot more hope than you had when you started. Yeah. And uh, attitude, you know, I've been, I, I, I've talked about this a few times, uh, but I've been on really successful football teams and uh, very bad ones, very, very bad ones, uh, where everybody has to get cut and new coaches have to come in and all this stuff has to change because the attitude around it has to change before anything else can. If you don't believe yeah. in yourself or you don't have some external, you know, support telling you, hey, have some confidence and go about doing it, it is very difficult. And I think something that I've heard a lot from folks who have received support from It Starts Today specifically was how much that meant to them because they didn't know where, for them, where they would start. Um, so I think for, for me, when I hear It Starts Today, um, I know, you know, from the origin story, it meant one thing. For a lot of folks, I think it's like, oh, like I'm going to run, and it starts like right now. Like for me, it's this is the support that gets me started. Um, and so I, I I, I don't know. I, I just feel I have a lot of warm and fuzzy feelings about it because it is very focused on letting normal, regular people get involved yeah. in their government by support, one, by running and knowing that support's going to be there, but two, by supporting folks who are out there, too. Um, and so it's it just really it's really great to see. Do you and what are what what kind of. What do you need? Like at this point, right, you need, obviously you need more folks to be involved. What are we talking about in Missouri for essentially this private, publicly funded system to work? What what kind of numbers are we looking at uh, for the state that you think would then, you know, get folks up to that level where, you know, here's your start off money and, and go get them? Actually, I've been I've been crunching a lot of numbers in the last few weeks. I love numbers, um, and I can tell you I can tell you exactly what we were looking for. Okay. Um, the you know at, at a certain point in time, you you we we realized one thing about our our existing model that that might not have been would you know that might we made some choices along the way, and one of the choices we made was to fund every candidate. Um, and to split the money evenly across all candidates. And one of the things that we've been rethinking, um, though we have not reached a final conclusion on this, we're actually talking to our community about it. Um, but one of the things that we're thinking is that instead of taking that approach, what we really should take is, you know, because of the gap that we've really identified, is we should start by getting everyone to this minimum viable level. And if we have money left over after that, then we'll split among we'll split it among everyone, um, but that that minimum viable level um, or or it and and we we for this we actually use a we use a we use a metric that we haven't talked about yet, um, but comes out of a, a study that um, an LSU professor did um, looking at about twenty states back in twenty thirteen, where he discovered 
that that challengers and funding and spending by challengers actually influences voter turnout more than spending by incumbents. Um, and and actually, the first 36 cents per eligible voter that a challenger spends actually turns out 1%, you know, increases turnout in, in that race by 1%. Whereas just on average overall, it's that 77 cent number that, that Michelle was talking about. Yeah. So we've been we've been looking at at funding at focusing our funding specifically in non-incumbent democratic races so either republican seats that 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 at, have a democratic challenger or have not had a democratic challenger or or the like and and that number comes out to about 17,000 and change in in a Missouri house race oh sorry no i'm looking at the wrong one that comes out to about 10,000 and change in Missouri house race and just under fifty thousand dollars um, in in a Senate race, um, just based on the size of the districts, mm -hmm. and um, and what you know, and what that turns into, if we're trying to get every state house race to to, to ten grand and every state mm -hmm. Senate race to fifty grand, um, it's a little bit different than than what our goals have been in the past. But if we if we just look at how Democrats did in 2020 in Missouri, and then just sort of say, what would we need to do to, you know, get a candidate in all the places that we didn't have someone, those would be fund fully, fund everyone who did raise some money, get them up to $10,000 first. Um, we end up with, sorry, I'm just scrolling through a, through a spreadsheet. Well, he's got it on the we, screen, right? Yeah. Now, this is oh great. yeah, I've got it on the screen this in front of me. fresh off the press, folks. Yeah, this is we, end up, we end up <laughs> wanting, yeah, we end up wanting to distribute a just over a million dollars, about one, just under one point one million dollars. So one million eighty nine thousand um, dollars is is sort of the real gap we've identified in Missouri, which would allow every single race to be every single house race at ten grand, every single Senate race at about fifty grand. To get to that number, we need forty five hundred people giving ten bucks a month. That's that's that's, that's you it. know on the one hand that's all you need. On the other hand, it's you need forty five hundred people. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's actually doable. Uh -huh. Um, you know, it, it requires funding. It requires, you know, money to advertise, um, you know, and, and, and to market and things like that, but it doesn't require millions of dollars. It requires hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's really heartening. Um, and we've been working at that. We've been chipping away at that goal, um, cycle after cycle. Um, yeah. But that's that's the fully realized. What would Missouri need? And just to put a number on it, that would actually increase the statewide vote total by something just under forty thousand votes. Wow! You know, is that enough to win a statewide election right now in Missouri? It hasn't been true for for any of our statewide candidates who've lost for the last couple of cycles. Um, but in six or eight years, you know, mm -hmm. as the generations shift. Right. as you know as all those other things that that you know as as mm -hmm. you you pick away at this yeah we're going to get to a place of 40,000 votes is going to matter i mean 40,000 votes was half of what trump lost by nationwide like <laughs> you know like we're we're you know right. in close states you're going to first flip them and you're going to win a senate race or a gubernatorial race by 10 or 20 or 30,000 votes and this is going to be that margin and it's going to be the thing that means you win it two or four years sooner than you would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man, that number is, uh, that's great. I would, I would thought it was going to be a lot worse than that. That is, that is really, <laughs> that's a really doable thing. 
It's totally doable. If yeah. everyone who is watching this podcast right now decided to go to itstarts.today, go to our Missouri project and chip in $5, yeah. we'd be well on our way to that goal. Yeah, we get and like we a million viewers all the time. Just everybody do it. There, there'll be way over. Obviously. Go ahead, people. I mean, the thing too that I want, I, I just wanted to emphasize again is that this isn't just a one-time investment either. I mean, we're talking about a community of people that isn't going away. Right. We've been around now for a few cycles, so hopefully people can see that we're not we're not leaving anytime soon. We're pretty persistent people. Um, and and so is our community and the investment that we're making in these districts will continue cycle after cycle. So rather than seeing a lack of investment and a hollowing out in a lot of places across the state, which I think people recognize, we're talking about the people, the grassroots being the ones that invest in those areas that we know need it the most and giving those areas the ability, the tools, the resources that they need to build themselves back up, which I think is pretty darn powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that's great. Yeah. So they can go right now. They can go to it starts right now. today. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. and make a donation. Please do. Michelle, Michelle, I saw that you, uh, the, the, everybody else didn't get to see it, but I get to see the behind the scenes stuff. But I saw that she had a cat who tried to visit. And mine is trying yes. to say hi now. Yeah. Yes. During most of our conversation, I've had a cat named Vinny on my lap. Vinny? So it as I on was your lap? That might have been why. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, I, I heard that, you know, it, before there, <laughs> we did it. I knew before the show, you mentioned that you might have some cats or even some children who might intervene. So I actually left the door open on purpose today to make you feel better in case it happens. Oh, so thank I you. I knew this one would come and say hi. She loves my Chillicothe cup so much. Oh, that's like, so great. I'm yeah, see, now it. I wish that Vinny would have made. He's gone now. Of course, I know. When you want I blew it. I nowhere, blew it. But... I saw I should have switched the camera when I saw it. <laughs> but I didn't do it. Uh, we got a couple that's questions so in. Great. None of them are about my cat yet, but I'm sure they're coming in soon. All right. Amy, actually, well, great. We, we actually answered one of your questions just a moment ago, but we'll get to the other one. Um, but one of the, the questions that was related to the material we just talked about, um, and I'll put this on the screen was how much money needed you think approximately for state senate and you were talking about you know the focus on having a challenger because the spending is you know a bit more cost effective in those situations you found for turnout um, sure. some of these races for state senate are insane like they are tons of money so really it depends on yeah. where you are um, how i guess competitive the district is between republicans and democrats we did see some that you know we've seen millions of dollars spent um, and not, not too far in the past, uh, and even, well, even this time too. And then actually like in cycles just afterwards, um, uh, that there wasn't as much money spent in those same districts. I'm thinking about, uh, Senator Doug Beck's district that used to be Scott Sifton's, uh, where a whole lot of money was. And, you know, maybe that's just based on who is choosing to pop up and run at any given time or what the world is sure. thinking or how much the Cardinals are yeah. charging for commercials before for their games. I remember that one came out. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it can really vary quite a bit. Um, but, you know, even having like this kind of money starting them off um, is definitely a really big deal just to get that initial infrastructure there for, for campaigns. But yeah, some of these can sure. be super yeah. expensive. So I, I think, I'll, I mean, we, we generally for a Senate race, what we, what we view as sort of that, that first baseline funding is about $50,000, mm -hmm. um, 48 yeah. and change. Um, to, to, to specifically ask, uh, answer Amy's question. But the, the bigger point that you're making is 
There's a difference between what we consider baseline funding, which has the biggest bang for your buck, you know, in terms of if you're spending money on a campaign, at the end of the day, your, your goal is to turn out voters. Yes, you want to win elections, but the way you win elections is by, by having people come out and vote for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first forty, you know, that first $50,000 in a state Senate race is actually going to get you the most votes per dollar spent on it as a campaign which does not mean that there's not value to spending a million dollars in a hotly contested, you know, swing district where that extra $950,000 gets you enough extra votes to get you the win. But those are two different calculuses. And as Democrats, we're actually really good at funding those swing districts. We're pretty darn good at identifying them in advance, you know, the state parties, the national party, you know, at the state legislative level, the, the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, they're really good at crunching those numbers and predicting what districts are really going to be in play. They're never going to be perfect. And if they're not failing on a whole bunch of the ones they try, then they're certainly not trying hard enough. If they're succeeding everywhere, they're not trying hard enough. But at the same time, those are not the races that that we're really concerned about. We're concerned about the ones that don't get the attention from the state or national party committees, the ones where the candidates get recruited and then abandoned. Um, And and in some places we don't even successfully recruit a candidate at all because those are the places that we need to work on long-term. You know, John Ossoff is now a United States Senator and he rose to fame by running in a special election in the Georgia 6th in 2017. And it was sort of the only thing going on. Right. It was, you know, he, he's, he's, he's telegenic, he's great. He raised 30 or some odd, 30, $35 million in an eight week period for the special election. And we were gonna win this darn thing because Trump had just gotten elected and we were just gonna do something and everyone just threw their money at John Ossoff's campaign. Well, he, you know, he lost. Um, but the thing that most people don't know about this district and it's, it's Newt Gingrich's old district is that from the time that Newt Gingrich won it 40 years ago, Democrats had only spent like $16 million combined over the course of 40 years. Mm. Um, and most of that was in two elections. <laughs> um, you know, Nine of that 16 was in two elections. Um, and then all of a sudden, John Ossoff comes along and we, try and we throw $30 million in it. We try to win that election. He falls just short. But because, you know, to use my Sandcastle analogy, he was building on nothing. He was building on mm-hmm. wet, muddy sand, and he was trying to build something, and he just couldn't quite get it together. Right. But the foundation he built that then, and I've completely I've completely forgotten the name of the candidate who came along and won it in 2018. The foundation McBath. he built, yeah, um, Lucy McBath. Yeah, yep. the foundation he built, she got to stand on his shoulders, and she went on to win that in the next election. And that's the nature of, of electoral infrastructure. You build on it cycle after cycle after cycle. And if Asif had been running in a district where we had spent, let's say, $500,000 in 20 losing campaigns, but we'd spent you know, $10 million more, but we'd done it every cycle, not you know, four or six million in a couple of, and then nothing for years. If we'd just been doing that every single cycle, wouldn't have changed who won the election in those 20 elections, but I am quite sure that it would have been enough to get John Ossoff the extra point and a half he needed or whatever exactly it was, I'm forgetting mm-hmm. now, to win that special election. 
And yeah. that's what we need to be doing in Missouri. We need to be funding these races, even if we're not going to win them. Right. We need to stop seeing the primary qualification for a candidate. Can you fundraise? Can you hit your fundraising goal? That is the first question that party committees ask of people who are like, I think I'm going to run for office. And they're like, well, if you're running for Congress, come to, come back and talk to us after you've raised a quarter of a million dollars. And if you've done it, then maybe we'll talk. And if you can't, and don't get me wrong, there are overlaps between the skills to raise money and to go get people to, you know, and to inspire people to vote for you, but they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, being able to raise money is as much about who you know as it is right. how well you can communicate. And if you just don't know people who can write $1,000 checks, you're really limited in your fundraising. You might not even know a thousand people who can write you 50 checks or 50 people who can write you a hundred dollars. Like you might not know those people, but you might be an incredible, incredible communicator. And that's the, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. And what we're doing mm -hmm. is decoupling fundraising prowess from your quality and qualifications as a candidate, because we just want people who are really good at communicating progressive values, in whatever the local vernacular is. And we just want to see those people running everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple more. We've got a few more minutes. Mm. We can do this. Oh, oh Amy's got to go. I'm going to come back to yours, Amy, because we're almost off topic on that one, but we'll get to it. It's on. Uh, okay. We got a question from Tim here. Uh, hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Do you have a model for best ways to use money? Like ads in newspapers versus radio versus social media versus mailers, all of that. Is there has has there been some? I mean, it's it's definitely going to have to be specific to wherever you're running or what you're running for. But are there kind of models out there right now that's like, hey, this is way more effective than this stuff? So I mean, we haven't created or, or we haven't promoted a particular model that you know directs people or encourages people to use their money in a certain way. There are a lot of different organizations. Uh, the National Democratic Training Committee has a number of different trainings that you can take on that. I know that um, the HDCC, what used to be the House Victory Committee, I know that they have a lot of uh, training and advice that they can give to candidates. So there's a lot of information out there about, you know, best practices on how folks can spend money in the future. You know, as we grow, it would be wonderful for us to have some relationships with some of those organizations where we can, you know, help candidates and, you know, uh, connect them with some of these organizations that are providing those trainings. But those trainings definitely exist. Yeah. But we don't, it's no strings attached from, from our perspective. We're not directing that folks do any particular thing. Right. So that's just under their control. They get the money and then yes. they have to go figure, which makes sense because you'll know. I mean, in some, um, you know, we took out ads in different kind of venues and, and media and all that. Exactly. We did, a, we did some rural radio. Um, and some of that was even, you know, thinking about, um, you know, long term relationships like, oh, all of a sudden this is going to be the first Democratic candidate they get money from ever. Uh, and then hopefully yeah. they'll think oh, I'm going to go and ask the next one who comes along. So we were thinking kind of long-term on a lot of what we were doing too. Um, and we were working with a lot of state rep candidates, so it's not dissimilar from kind of the mindset yes. that you all were in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say uh, from most cost, I mean, like in terms of like where you can start, the social media stuff now is a little bit easier, especially on Facebook. There are a lot of folks there. Your state or your area might be different, but in rural Missouri, Facebook is is a good way to get folks uh, and it's a lot cheaper than mailers it's cheaper than some of these other things radio's not yeah. too bad uh tv tv's a lot of money 
but yeah, I mean, just starting, and you think about kind of, um, you know, the snowball effect where you're starting with something and then you're always thinking, how am I growing that to something else? Right. Which I think then brings us to, in part, with Amy's question too. So see, I told you, Amy, I was going to get to this one. Um, for any good ideas in organizing small fundraising events, and for you all, I know, like, you know, you're obviously fundraising for um, it starts today, um, and, and this can apply, you know, nonprofit space, wherever else it is, too. Um, but uh, I guess thoughts about, like, kind of when you all are thinking about fundraising for this, um, or, or even saying, you know, if you are talking to a candidate, uh, if you were to provide some kind of pointers. But in general, like, what, what kind of um, ideas have you all used for fundraising for this in particular that you think could be helpful? Well, I mean, I think it sort of depends on if we're talking about COVID times or if we're talking about regular times, right? Right. I mean, this is this is such a unique um, it's it's a unique moment in history. So it is particularly difficult, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm recognizing what I think you know might be sort of behind the question, right? It's a unique moment. It's a very difficult time, I think, for folks to get together and to have small events um, where you're fundraising. I have seen some really excellent, uh, you know, Zoom calls where people have, you know, great conversations. We're actually, you know, potentially going to be doing something like that with It Starts Today um, to talk more about a study that we commissioned and that, you know, we'd love to share with people. Um, so having small uh, Zoom events where people can join in. I've seen some really fun um, uh, trivia mm-hmm. here in St. Louis. Trivia is a big deal. Uh, and so people get together and they do like a trivia event and it's, you know, $25 or $10 or something like that. And those have been really fun. Um, those are smaller dollar events, but they're also community building. And I think that, you know, part of having some of these fundraising events and part of bringing your, you know, community of supporters together is making that a community of supporters. And so it could be that, you know, this period in time is, is a good moment to build that up more um, than what we have really been able to in the past. Jonathan, did you have any other ideas of small, small fundraising events that you've seen? Yeah, um, I, I have a couple of a couple of thoughts of and, and not really specific to COVID times. The, the important thing to remember when you're doing any kind of fundraising is that fundraising is about community and successful fundraising bluntly is about asking people who don't want to say no to you. Um, whatever you're asking, you know, whatever you're asking them for. Um, And there's a couple of different ways to do that. But one of the best ways to do it is to build community before you do the fundraising. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, one of the most successful fundraisers for the, for the, for the DNC that I've ever known was a guy named Andy Tobias. Um, And, and he was the treasurer of the DNC for like 20 years. And what he would love to do is he would say to someone, look, you get me a room full of people who are capable of writing a check the size I'm looking for. Now he was doing national party fundraising. So it was like $5,000, but it's also true of $50 or $5 or $10. You fill a room with some people who are capable of doing that and I'll show up and I'll ask them for the money. Um, and that is an incredibly effective first, first bite at the apple is ask people to come and just hear a pitch. Um, ticketed events is always the instinct. Like mm-hmm. if we collect the money up front, we've got the money. But that doesn't always raise you as much money, particularly if you're thinking over the medium to longer term, as just getting the people in the room, get them enjoying each other, get them feeling bought in and as part of this community. And then you can go back and ask them, um, ask them again for money. And you know, this was this was something that that the, the Obama campaign 
really, really figured out. Now, they did it out of necessity. They knew they were never going to be able to compete with Hillary Clinton's major donors. So what they did is they set out to build a community who would give them 50 or $100 every time they asked. And the beauty of the internet and fundraising platforms like ActBlue and the like is that they make $5 donations as efficient as $50 donations in terms of the cost structure. Um, and that means that really, if you can build a community who can give you $5 three or four times a year, that might actually be easier than going out and finding, you know, a quarter of that number of $25 donors. And you can just add zeros on all of this stuff, you know, scales. But if you're just thinking about it, it's really about building community and it's really about, and it's about identifying if you are the fundraiser, people who just aren't going to want to say no to whoever asks them and then figure out who that person should be. And it might not be you. It might be a friend of a friend and you might need that intermediary friend to make the ask. Um, but those, those are the, the, the big things. Yeah. It's so, uh, uh, it's such a good, I mean, it's such a good point. And my wife, who's a professional fundraiser would say, and then once you have them in the room, you pressure them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Peer pressure. You always have somebody in there who's ready to go. And then everybody's just kind of looking around. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. I've been to several events that she's done for nonprofits and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a fun time. Uh, alcohol is, is usually available there too in person. So that's a thing we've done, you know, some, <laughs> I mean, we were very focused on small, uh, dollar donors. So, you know, I would, uh, you asked me, you know, how, how much time I spent fundraising. I would actually, so I drove a lot and I would have, you know, I can't believe I'm one of those people now with one of those headsets. And so you the little microphone, but I would have to do that because my car's windows are bad. You'd hear the wind coming through and everything else. So otherwise you just wouldn't, wouldn't hear me, but I would call folks. And oftentimes I would call them off of, you know, different, different kind of lists, what folks were interested in, uh, you know, people who might've signed up for, you know, some policy initiative that we were pushing forward and just say, hi, you know, my name's allowed. I'm running for attorney general. And, uh, I wanted to hear what your thoughts are for Missouri. And that was like that initial, I want you to be part of this community and I want to hear what your ideas are um, right. before asking for anything, right? It, other than your ideas and I want you to participate, which is to me, a, you know, a, a pretty big deal. And a lot of folks were, oh, goodness, this is, this is great. I've never had a candidate call me like this before. Uh, but then, you, you know, folks, I think you, you create, you know what you're doing. You're doing it for the right reason. You're communicating that. You're having people buy into that vision with you. And then you tell them, here's how we can make that vision happen. And I think if we see fundraising more, just like less of this like robotic, oh, th this is the money you have to get, go get this, don't come talk to me until you have it, but more of right. like a tool for us to get to that end goal. Um, you know, it's, it's a much healthier thing and uh, it feels not bad, you know? It, do <laughs> it doesn't feel like you're trying to squeeze your friends out of money. It's You're trying to get them to be a part of it with you. And I think that applies to big, small, whatever kind of fundraising events you're doing. But if you do have more questions about that and need help doing something, especially in Missouri, uh, go to takebackmo.org, and uh, we've got folks who volunteer to come out and help you do it. So um, it'll at least give you advice so that you can take that back. And if you're running for office, um, then, uh, you know, encourage all your friends to donate to It Starts Today. And that way, once you are the nominee, yes. then you will be able to get a whole bunch of support right off the bat. So... Great. Well, I wanted to give you, I know we've been here for a little bit. 
Um, but I'm going to look at this. See, look, I can make it bigger. I can make it smaller, but that's where you want to go. Okay. To support them. I love it. Uh, it's, it's great work that you all are doing. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I'll have to have you guys come back on, um, if you all are interested, but, we'd love um, to. you know, and Hey, and, and, and to Amy's point, we can do a small little fundraising event or a big one, depending on how many people sign hey. on. But, uh, Let's yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And then highlighting, you know, folks who have really received a lot of the support from you and who are, I know they talk about it all the time. They're super yeah. appreciative. And then those who are coming forward, I think could be really cool. So. Yes. Great. Yeah. I mean, I would love yeah. to share some of the thank you notes that I've gotten from people, which are pretty fantastic, especially folks in yeah. red districts that are just so appreciative of, you know, the money that comes. It's not from that starts today, which is what right. I try to tell people. It's not really from me. It's from all the people who are part of our community. This is actually, I'm just the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones who are bringing this to you. So. Right. You can tune into our programs live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, or at aladgross.live. You can also submit questions and see all of our previous programs. If you'd like to get more involved in our government, visit TakeBackMissouri.org and sign up to volunteer. Until next time, this is Alad Gross, and thanks for listening to the Alad Podcast.